Chapter One, Book Five of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. Amelia, Volume Two by Henry Fielding, Book Five, Chapter One in which the reader will meet with an old acquaintance booth's affairs were put on a better aspect than they had ever worn before and he was willing to make use of the opportunity of one day in seven to taste the fresh air at nine in the morning he went to pay a visit to his old friend colonel james resolving if possible to have a full explanation of that behaviour which appeared to him so mysterious but the colonel was as inaccessible as the best defended fortress and it was as impossible for booth to pass beyond his entry as the spaniards found it to take gibraltar he received the usual answers first that the colonel was not stirring and an hour after that he was gone out all that he got by asking further questions was only to receive still rude answers by which if he had been very sagacious he might have been satisfied how little worth his while it was to desire to go in for the porter at a great man's door is a kind of thermometer by which you may discover the warmth or coldness of his master's friendship nay in the highest stations of all as the great man himself had his different kinds of salutation from a hearty embrace with a kiss and my dear lord or dear sir charles down to well mister what could you have me do so the porter to some bows with respect to others with a smile to some he bows more to others less low to others not at all some he just lets in and others he just shuts out and in all these they so well correspond that one would be inclined to think that the great man and his porter had compared their lists together and like two actors concerned to act different parts in the same scene had rehearsed their parts privately together before they ventured to perform in public though booth did not perhaps see the whole matter in this just light for that in reality it is yet he was discerning enough to conclude from the behaviour of the servant especially when he considered that of the master likewise that he had entirely lost the friendship of james and this conviction gave him a concern that not only the flattering prospect of his lordship's favour was not able to compensate but which even obliterated and made him for a while forget the situation in which he had left his amelia and he wandered about almost two hours scarce knowing where he went till at last he dropped into a coffee-house near st james where he sat himself down he had scarce drank his dish of coffee before he heard a young officer of the guards cried to another oh don me jack here he comes here's old honour and dignity faith 
upon which he saw a chair open and out issued a most erect and stately figure indeed with a vast periwig on his head and a vast hat under his arm this august personage having entered the room walked directly up to the upper end where having paid his respects to all present of any note to each according to seniority he at last cast his eyes on booth and very civilly though somewhat coldly asked him how he did booth who had long recognized the features of his old acquaintance major bath returned the compliment with a very low bow but did not venture to make the first advance to familiarity as he was truly possessed of that quality which the greeks consider in the highest light of honour and which we term modesty though indeed neither ours nor the latin language had any word adequate to the idea of the original the colonel after having discharged himself of two or three articles of news and made his comments upon them when the next chair to him became vacant called upon booth to fill it he then asked him several questions relating to his affairs and when he heard he was out of the army advised him earnestly to use all means to get in again saying that he was a pretty lad and they must not lose him booth told him in a whisper that he had a great deal to say to him on that subject if they were in a more private place upon this the colonel proposed a walk in the park which the other readily accepted during the walk booth opened his heart and among other matters acquainted colonel bath that he feared he had lost the friendship of colonel james though i am not he said conscious of having done the least thing to deserve it bath answered you are certainly mistaken mr booth i have indeed scarce seen my brother since my coming to town for i have been here but two days however i am convinced he is a man of too nice honour to do anything inconsistent with the true dignity of a gentleman booth answered he was far from accusing him of anything dishonourable done me said bath if there is a man alive can or dare accuse him if you have the least reason to take anything ill why don't you go to him you are a gentleman and his rank doth not protect him from giving you satisfaction the affair is not of any such kind says booth i have great obligations to the colonel and have more reason to lament that complaint and if i could but see him i am convinced i should have no cause for either but i cannot get within his house it was but an hour ago a servant of his turned me rudely from the door did a servant of my brother use you truly said the colonel with the utmost gravity i do not know sir in what light you see such things but to me the affront of a servant is the affront of the master and if he doth not immediately punish it by all the dignity of a man i could see the master's nose between my fingers booth offered to explain but to no purpose the colonel was got into his stills and it was impossible to take him down 
nay it was as much as booth could possibly do to part with him without the actual quarrel nor would he perhaps have been able to have accomplished it had not the colonel by accident turned at last to take booth's side on the question and before they separated he swore many oaths that james should give him proper satisfaction such was the end of this present interview so little to the content of booth that he was heartily concerned he had ever mentioned a syllable of the matter to his honourable friend Note, this chapter occurs in the original edition of amelia between one and two it is omitted later and would have been omitted here but for an accident as it had been printed it may as well appear for though it has no great value it may interest some readers as an additional illustration of fielding's dislike to doctors e d containing a brace of doctors and much physical matter he now returned with all his uneasiness to amelia whom he found in a condition very little adapted to relieve or comfort him that poor woman was now indeed under very great apprehensions for her child whose fever now began to rage very violently and what was worse an apothecary had been with her and frightened her almost out of her wits he had indeed represented the case of the child to be very desperate and had prevailed on the mother to call in the assistance of a doctor booth had been a very little time in the room before this doctor arrived with the apothecary close at his heels and both approached the bed where the former felt the pulse of the sick and performed several other physical ceremonies he then began to inquire of the apothecary what he had already done for the patient all which as soon as informed he greatly approved the doctor then sat down called for a pen and ink filled a whole side of a sheet of paper with physic then took a guinea and took his leave the apothecary waiting upon his downstairs as he had attended him up all that night both amelia and booth sat up with their child who rather grew worse than better in the morning mrs ellison found the infant in a raging fever burning hot and very light-headed and the mother under the highest dejection for the distemper had not given the least ground to all the efforts of the apothecary and the doctor but seemed to defy the utmost power with all that tremendous apparatus of veals and gallipots which were arranged in battle array all over the room mrs ellison seeing the distressed and indeed distracted condition of amelia's mind attempted to comfort her by giving her hopes of the child's recovery upon my word madam says she i saw a child of much the same age with miss who in my opinion was much worse restored to health in a few days by a physician of my acquaintance nay i have known him cure several others of very bad fevers and if miss was under his care i dare swear she would do very well good heavens madam answered amelia why should you not mention him to me for my part i have no acquaintance with any london physicians nor do i know whom the apothecary hath brought me nay madam cries mrs allison 
it is a tender thing you know to recommend a physician and as for my doctor there are abundance of people who give him an ill name indeed it is true he hath cured me twice of fevers and so he hath several others to my knowledge nay i never heard of any more than one of his patients that died and yet as the doctors and apothecaries all give him an ill character one is fearful you know dear madam booth inquired the doctor's name which he no sooner heard than he begged his wife to send for him immediately declaring he had heard the highest character imaginable of him at the tavern from an officer of very good understanding amelia presently complied and a messenger was dispatched accordingly but before the second doctor could be brought the first returned with the apothecary attending him as before he again surveyed and handled the sick and when amelia begged him to tell her if there was any hopes he shook his head and said to be sure madam miss is in a very dangerous condition and there is no time to lose if the blisters which i shall now order her should not relieve her i fear we can do no more could not you please sir says the apothecary to have the powders and the trot repeated how often were they ordered cries the doctor only thirty a quack ora says the apothecary let them be taken every hour by all means cries the doctor and let me see pray get me a pen and ink if you think the child in such imminent danger said booth could you give us leave to call in another physician to your assistance indeed my wife oh by all means said the doctor it is what i very much wish let me see mr arsenic whom shall we call what do you think of dr dosewell said the apothecary nobody better cries the physician i should have no objection to the gentleman answered booth but another had been recommended to my wife he then mentioned the physician for whom they had just before sent who sir cries the doctor dropping his pen and when booth repeated the name of thompson excuse me sir cries the doctor hastily i shall not meet him why so sir answered booth i will not meet him replied the doctor shall i meet a man who pretends to know more than the whole college and could overturn their whole method of practice which is so well established and from which no one person had pretended to deviate indeed sir cries the apothecary you do not know what you are about asking your pardon why he kills everybody he comes near that is not true said mrs ellison i have been his patient twice and i am alive yet you have good luck then madam answered the apothecary for he kills everybody he comes near nay i know above a dozen others of my own acquaintance replied mrs ellison who have all been cured by him that may be madam cries arsenic but he kills everybody for all that why madam did you never hear of mr i can think of the gentleman's name though he was a man of great fashion but everybody knows who i mean everybody indeed must know whom you mean answered mrs ellison for i never heard but of one and that many years ago before the dispute was ended the doctor himself entered the room 
as he was a very well-bred and very good-natured man he addressed himself with much civility to his brother physician who was not quite so courteous on his side however he suffered the newcomer to be conducted to the sick-bed and at booth's earnest request to deliver his opinion the dispute which ensued between the two physicians would perhaps be unintelligible to any but those of the faculty and not very entertaining to them the character which the officer and mrs ellison had given of the second doctor had greatly prepossessed booth in his favour and indeed his reasoning seemed to be the juster booth therefore declared that he would abide by his advice upon which the former operator with his sani the apothecary quitted the field and left the other in full possession of the sick the first thing the new doctor did was to use his own phrase to blow up the physical magazine all the powders and potions instantly disappeared at his command for he said there was a much readier and nearer way to convey such stuff to the vault than by first sending it through the human body he then ordered the child to be blooded gave it a clister on some cooling physic and in short that i may not dwell too long on so unpleasant part of history within three days cured the little patient of her distemper to the great satisfaction of mrs ellison and to the vast joy of amelia some readers will perhaps think this whole chapter might have been omitted but though it contains no great matter of amusement it may at least serve to inform posterity concerning the present state of physic end of chapter one recording by gabby cowan